Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Well, here we are once again. I'm having so much fun. Today, I'm going to learn how to pill a uh, dog or a cat without getting my knuckles bit <laughs> off or anything like that. No suppositories. I don't, yeah. Uh, Doc Halligan's going to help me with that in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Also on the show today, veterinary correspondent Dr. Marty Becker, and he'll tell you the five things that if you see them in your dog, you need to get to a vet immediately because it's an emergency. So that's all on the way. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Fran. You are on with Dr. Debbie. What's going on in your life? Well, hi, um, Dr. Debbie. Uh, my son's brought home on August the 8th, they, he, they brought, brought home a puppy. Um, mm-hmm. And about two days after they brought the puppy home, she got really sick. They took okay. her to the vet emergency room, and the vet there said she had tested positive week for the parvo virus. Okay. I, I've never heard of parvo before. So... Um, they gave her some amoxicillin for two weeks and some other medicines and sent her home with my son. Um, okay. I'm a truck driver. I got home on a Tuesday. That would have been the 12th. And, um, I brought some penicillin and I gave her a shot of penicillin on the 12th and on the 13th. Um, after that, she did quite well. She's doing really good. Um, She's eating really good, running around the house now. Um, but I have, I mean, I have some questions because, like I said, I really don't know anything about this. Yeah. And I'm going to back up a little bit and ask you a couple of questions here. Um, what's the puppy's name? Um, Mary Jane. Mary Jane. <laughs> All right. And um, what breed is she? Um, well, we either think she is full-blooded German Shepherd or she's Dolby German Shepherd mix. We okay. we're not sure. Okay. And how old is she? Well, we believe she's either two or three months. Um, I don't think she's more than that because she still has her baby teeth. Okay. All right. Well, and, and do you know much of anything about her background? Where she came from? If she had any puppy shots before you got her? She had no puppy shots before we got her. The only thing we really know about the background is there were six in the litter, and two of them have died from this parvo. One was very sick and in the hospital, and one was healthy as can be. We don't know about the other one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and you said they did test Mary Jane for the parvo, and she tested positive. Is that correct? Yeah, we... The doctor said positive weak or weak positive. Okay. I don't I don't know what that meant. I, I, I'm assuming yeah, it's, that it's kind of a um somewhat something we look at because if there's a possibility Mary Jean was just vaccinated prior to testing, sometimes we can get a weak positive and that's why I was kinda trying to get some of that information out because um that can make it very confusing and I see that a lot of times when people suspect their dog might have parvo and they bring it into the vet and we vaccinate it and they don't tell us they think it's sick and you know it can make the interpretation of a test difficult so that's why i wondered if who 
whoever had her beforehand, you know, had done any kind of preventative care in that way. But we can also get a a weak parvo test doesn't mean that they have little bit of disease versus a lot of disease. What what it means is that we're not shedding a lot of the virus. And that's kind of how we pick it up on that test is, you know, we take a, unfortunately, a little Q-tip up the backside and we test for the amount of viral particles there. So if a pet has the virus, but it's not really shedding a lot in their poop, um, we don't pick up a lot in the test. It could be a weak positive test. Um, whereas there are some dogs that shed tremendous loads of virus and that test is just a flaring positive right away. So that's just what kind of that, giving them an explanation on that. Um, But you said you're not too familiar with parvo and like what the disease is all about. Um, uh, Have you been around since uh, 1970s, 1980s? The reason I was asking is historically parvo has been around for a good while and it was about the 1970s, 1980s when the virus really started to come out and it took control of the dog population, really devastated, um, you know, making many, many, many pets sick. Um, nowadays we still see it and, um, it is completely preventable with vaccination, but there's always kind of a challenge in that, um, the disease itself. And I'll give you a little background. Obviously you know about it, but for those listeners that might not be familiar with parvo it's a virus that goes into basically the pet's intestinal tract and it uh, causes them to be unable to digest foods they vomit they have diarrhea a lot of times it's even bloody in nature Um, they get uh, a loss of appetite very dehydrated and uh, it's a very debilitating disease and it's highly fatal so um, a lot of pets you know even with therapy might not survive and i'd have to say that you know, um, I don't know what uh, was going on with uh, you know veterinarian and what how the pet was treated, but for most pets, if they're very seriously ill with parvo, I hospitalize these babies and I get them on IVs, I get them on antibiotics, and we talk about anti-vomiting medicines. And there's there's a lot of things we can do for parvo, um, even Tamiflu, which they use for uh, human uh, influenza cases and viral cases. We use that for dogs with parvo. So there's a lot of really cool things to treat it. My suspicion is it sounds like Mary Jane had a very mild case of this um, since she was treating it treated in an outpatient fashion. But well, uh, a lot of dogs don't have that luxury, and it, it is very serious, and it's it's a bad disease to get. Well, I have a quote. Well, she was really bad. I think what helped it, happened is um, they wanted to keep her there overnight, but I didn't have the money, like I said, my kids just brought her home, Mom, you know, we love this dog, oh. and yeah. being a mom, and two days later, she was so sick, so I didn't have the funds, so they gave me the amoxicillin, and the doctor said, well, try this, and she gave me a couple of other things, or my sons, and then when I came home, I actually stopped at a feed store on my way home, because I'm a truck driver, and got some penicillin, and gave her the extra doses and I think that may have helped her um, as well you know but she's really strong now Well, good. I'm glad she's pulling through that. Um, and, and I want to kind of clarify one thing is that, you know, the antibiotics don't treat the virus. Um, it's a virus that the body has to really fight and kick it on its own. And we support the pet during that. But antibiotics are important, but for a different reason. And, and it's because parvo 
kind of attacks the lining of the dog's intestinal tract. And it makes it very susceptible, the pet, to, to acquire a bacterial infection on top of things, and they can become septic. So antibiotics are generally given when, with parvo cases, but it's, it's not really treating the infection. It's just treating this, you know, the tag-along problems. And then okay. one other thing that we really need to talk about is, you know, is how do you prevent this and, um, you know, what can we do to ensure that, you know, either your friends or your family members, you know, their dogs don't get parva? That's a really big question here. And have you tried anything so far or has your veterinarian advised you of things? Well, we've been, she hasn't been around any other dogs. Um, we've been reaching her cage down and uh, we're keeping her confined into the, um, kitchen area and that and of course mopping the floor all the time with a bleach solution um good and really washing her toys off in fact what we did is throw all of her her toys away and i went out and got her some new toys once she got a little healthier yeah, yeah. And this virus is really, the virus is very durable and it can last indoors for, gosh, you know, there's some studies that say even six months to a year um, outside. Is the best it, it, way to keep it, kill it? I'm sorry? Is bleaching the best way to kill it? Like yeah, the best way everything. to actually deal with the virus is to give or to apply a dilute bleach solution. And, and I generally use about a, a half a cup diluted into a gallon of water. Um, shouldn't burn your eyes or your pet's eyes. Um, and obviously you can only use that on solid surfaces, you know, your kennel areas, floors, you know, and that's what's hard is the carpet. You just can't disinfect that. So any kind of surfaces, you know, you can clean, do your best, but there's no way to be absolutely certain you can eliminate that virus and sit back and go, whoo, you know, it's gone. <laughs> um, now, but it would definitely, definitely be very important to talk about vaccinating. And, um, you know, we want to vaccinate all puppies for parvo. And there's, a, we want to have at least three sets of puppy shots between the weeks of six and 16 weeks of age. So if you got a puppy out there and, and you're worried about this, this is something we can prevent. You need to make sure we get those vaccines done. Um, now I and have then, a question about the vaccine. Now that she's had the parvo and she's starting, like she's really good recovering, when can I give her or when can I take her for shots? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And um, most dogs that recover from parvovirus have excellent immunity and won't get the disease down the road. Um, and so that's the good thing. But still, the other diseases that are, you know, potentially out there for pups are, are still a concern. So I generally like to make sure they're fully healthy for at least a three to four week period before we start um, introducing the other vaccinations. So we want to make sure she's healthy, feeling good, gaining weight, all of that stuff. And then then you know get her back into her regimen of vaccinations because yeah there's there's definitely still a lot of other things out there that can pose a risk to her parvo is you know one one thing also i want to mention is parvo a lot of people think if you don't take your dog around other dogs that they can't get parvo and i hear that a lot of times that people say i never take my dogs out of the backyard how can they get this well we know pigeons fly from yard to yard and they often eat dog food that's in the backyard 
So even for pets that never leave the yard, we can get like wild birds that travel from one yard to another and actually bring fecal matter along on their little feet. Um, and humans, we do the same thing. So um, we want to make sure that if you are going out around other dogs, that you're being cautious, make sure they're only well-vaccinated dogs, especially if you have pups. Um, but, you know, keep in mind, you can do everything right and these diseases still can pose a threat. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Have you downloaded it yet? You should do it. Ask your questions anytime. Listen to the show. If there's a recall, you're going to find out about it first right on the Animal Radio app. And let me tell you, there's been a lot of recalls. Hi, Pat. How are you doing? Hi, good, thank you. You are on with Dr. Debbie. Um, I heard a caller call in on your show a while ago and mention that they had a dog who had cracked his teeth because they were chewing on some bones. Uh-huh. And we give, we've got a miniature schnauzer who's got very powerful teeth, and uh, we give her those Nyla bones. They're the really hard plastic ones. And she okay. goes through those, like, every couple of weeks we got to replace them. And I was wondering if those are good for her, if we should be using something else. Well, in general, I think those are really good substitutes when we're talking about the alternatives from, you know, true bones to finding something that's going to be an acceptable alternative. Um, and I think the Nyla bone products are really um, pretty durable. But if you're doing what it sounds like you're doing when they start to show some signs of pieces being chewed or kind of getting broken down, that you toss it and you replace it. Um, because you can even still run the risk that, um, you know, a piece of that bone could get chewed up and swallowed and cause an obstruction. So if they're starting to really get um, some significant damage on that item, no matter how good it is, <laughs> it's best to replace that. Um, and, okay. and you could still feasibly maybe have a situation where um, a dog could crack a tooth on something like a Nyla bone. Okay. The Kong toys, um, I'm a real fan of those. If, if your schnauzer is really um, a, an avid chewer, I think those kind of products hold up very well. What about rawhide? Uh, you always hear rawhide's trouble. Yeah, and you know, I, I like rawhides, but I like them in the right uh, use. Um, I'm not a real fan on those little flip chip 
kind of things um, or the knotted rawhides. But I do like there's a type of rawhide that's a compressed rawhide. And if you have a dog that is an avid chewer and needs to have something to gnaw on and maybe he's not a fan of some of these things like the Kongs or the Nylobones, compressed rawhide is the next best thing that I like to use. Um, my labs, um, it could take them hours to get through one versus, you know, a regular rawhide would be, you know, 20 minutes or less in their <laughs> big, strong jaws. So, yeah, I think that that's a good alternative as well. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, it's Vinny Penn coming at you with another party animal installment on Animal Radio. Well, we did it. For those of you who uh, who listen to these uh, segments of mine here, I uh, told you a ways back that my five-year-old daughter, Stella, she's ready for a pet. She was ready. We looked at a lot of different pets. I wanted to start her off with, with the fish. Oh, as a matter of fact, she actually had um, uh, already, she's had a turtle and a frog, but they've since moved on. And it was time to get her another. But I wanted to start her with uh, a fish. I think that's the good starting point for any four, five, six-year-old. We went to the pet store and we picked out just the most beautiful pink fish. Stella picked her out herself, picked out a great one. We got the nice little aquarium and she dressed it up and decorated it really nicely. We went down to the beach earlier that morning. She picked out a beautiful rock to put in the tank. We were all set up. She looks at the fish. And it's called a, a, a beta fish, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, B-E-T-T-A. So it's, it's not essentially a goldfish. I don't know. This was kind of a new terrain for me, even though I had goldfish when I was a kid. I think they were goldfish. I had two, Cheech and Chong. Uh, but this was called a beta fish, beta fish. Nonetheless, Stella looks at her and says, I want to call her Magnolia. And it was really a moving moment. I looked at my daughter and I thought, that name is... Is fantastic. We can call her Maggie for short. And she smiled. She thought that was a great idea. We got in the car with the little carrying case for the fish. And Stella stared at her the whole way home and was saying, I love you, Magnolia. I love you, Magnolia. We got home, transferred her into her new home, dressed it up. And Stella was looking at her and she said, she's so beautiful. Daddy, thank you so much for buying me dandelion. And I said, dandelion? What happened to Magnolia? And she said, no, I, I changed her name. I want to call her Dandelion. And I said, well, all right. If we, you know, dandy for sure. That kind of works. Go with that. I, dandelion it is. Not too long afterwards, uh, one of my aunts comes over. First thing Stella wants to do is take her to see the fish. She says, you got to come with me. You got to come and see my fish. She runs over to see the fish, and I hear my aunt, who's 91 years old, say, Hey, that looks just like Nemo. Magnolia, who had become Dandelion, had now become Nemo. So I have to sit Stella down and say, Stella, look, we can't keep changing the name. It would be like all of a sudden today if I just started calling you Sarah. To which Stella replies, I like that name, Sarah. I go to school with a Sarah. 
I want to name the fish Sarah. At this point, I'm a little bit out of my mind. I'm confused. I don't know which way is up. I don't know. if Is it a girl? I always heard girls were fickle, but this was bringing it to new heights. Suffice it to say that this morning, as I'm leaving to come and, and cut these segments, I say to Stella, I'm going to go and talk about Sarah the fish today. And she said, what kind of fish is it anyway? I, you, I heard you telling someone that it, it wasn't really a goldfish. I said, well, daddy's learning as he goes, same as you. I think it's called a beta fish or a betta fish. And Stella says, all right, daddy, we'll go and tell everybody about Betty then. <laughs> Vinnie Penn, Party Animal, Animal Radio. This is Animal Radio. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. Hello, this is Dr. Paul on Animal Radio. Take care of the pets and make sure that in these hot days that they get in lots of water and don't tie them outside in the sun because then they get a heat stroke. This is an Animal Radio News Update. Hi, I'm Lori Brooks. You know, we've known for a long time that male seahorses are more involved in parenting than other animals are, you know, since the male seahorse is actually the one who gets pregnant. But until now, scientists didn't really have the full picture. So it turns out that most of the parenting or rearing responsibilities for baby seahorses are also shouldered by the male. In fact, a new study shows that male seahorses, in addition to nurturing their growing embryos, will continue to feed and protect their offspring after the pregnancy, much like a human mother's role is. The scientists say they're already planning further research on this, that the evolution of animal pregnancy may be more consistent across species than was previously believed. A very rare two-headed albino snake was recently purchased by a West Coast freak show owner who paid $50,000 for this uh, snake. Her name is Medusa. She's three feet long and four years old. She's a two-headed Honduran milk snake that was born in Florida. And this proud new owner says he has wanted that same snake since the day it was born four years ago. But the price price just kept going up and up and up. Uh, By the way, this guy currently holds a Guinness World Record for having the biggest collection of two-headed animals. But he said this Medusa is actually perfect because she does not have a kink on her body at the point where her two heads join together. He says it's as if she was meant to have two heads. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just saying that's a rather odd thing to collect. Uh, there is a new fur baby in Hollywood among the famous. Soccer star David Beckham's wife, Victoria, has shared a video online that shows her 
so good-looking husband, uh, indulging in play <laughs> with their latest addition to the family, a beautiful black cocker spaniel named Olive, who is the family's fourth pet. They already have a Sharpay and two bulldogs named Coco and Scarlet. I'm Lori Brooks. You can get more breaking animal news anytime you need it at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, it's Alan Cable. You know, 33% of us pet owners talk to our pets on the phone with the answering machine when we're away. 62% of us sign letters and cards. So it looks like it's coming from both you and your pet. 79% give their pets holiday and birthday presents. 50% of those actually throw birthday celebration parties. And 17% of us sometimes dress our pets. you probably heard about the Labradoodle that looks like a lion. Are you serious? Oh yeah, listen to some of the 911 calls. And there was a lion that ran across the street at Here's his owner. I tell people he's a lab of lion. When people see Charlie the dog walking, they really freak out. I've seen him literally dive through the window to get in the car thinking a lion is after them. Oh, this stuff's fun. We all love to humanize our dogs, don't we? Give them human emotions. I was at soccer on Saturday, and this guy comes up and says, Can I pet your dog? I said, Sure. He commences to acting like a nut. Oh, you're a good boy. You're just such a good boy. I said, Dude, come on. You're going to get him all wound up. And I've taught him he needs to be calm. Here's the irony. He tells me he noticed how calm and mellow and well-behaved my dog is. I said, Then why are you trying to juice him up like that? I said, Buddy, you got to be calm when you pet a dog. Just mellow. You don't want to act like his head is the Hope Diamond. Of course, he doesn't get it, or he doesn't want to get it. And here's more irony. He tells me he's got dogs, and he doesn't believe in ever putting them on a leash. And he says, you know why? Here's why. Would you want to be on a leash? I already know the answer, but just for the heck of it, I ask him, do you bring your dogs out? He says, no, of course not. I can't bring them anywhere. I can't control them. They might knock down a kid or an old woman. Of course, he doesn't hear what he's saying. I said, look, my dog is here with me. I take him lots of places. People don't even notice him. They're happy to see him. Kids can come up and pet him. And he's not locked up in the house all alone by himself himself. And the reason for this is because he knows the rules. Knowing the rules makes him calm and happy. He knows what I expect of him. And he always gets to come along because of that. Anyway, if you want to pet a strange dog, ask permission and then be mellow about it. Hi, this is Maya Bialik on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Right now it is time for a Lucy pet segment with our good friend Doc Halligan. And I know that, Judy, you give medicines to the studio stunt cat every single day. Religiously. I don't miss a day. If the doctor says this is what they get, make sure they get it. Trust me, they get it. Now, he's been taking steroids for... uh, Since 2006. And every day, you haven't missed a day. I have not missed a day. is Is that good? You know, cats can tolerate it more than dogs can, and he's on a very low dose. So for him and his condition, yes, he can. Does he fight you when you try to give it to him? You know what? No, he doesn't. He's he's gotten really good at it. He just kind of expects it. Doc Halligan, I know when you send patients home and ask them to give medications, <laughs> do you expect them to give the medications out? Do most of your patients give out the medications that uh, you ask them to, do you think? Well, I think... Most pet owners are like my mother. I go over to my mother's house and she has like a uh, array of medications, right? And I'm like, Mom, why do you have so many medications here for pumpkin when you should have used them up? You know, she, oh, well, she didn't need to take them all. But uh. yeah, that's the problem is that most people don't understand that when the doctor prescribes 
medication for your pet, there's a lot of thought behind how long we have to prescribe it for. And we try to do the shortest amount of time. But I would say the majority, probably 70% of pet owners do not follow our instructions, right? We don't have good uh, client compliance. And that does lead to problems like antibiotic resistance because people don't understand that the, the bacteria that's killed off first are the easiest. So the ones that are last are the hardiest uh, bacteria. And so if you're not doing the entire course, you run the risk of having that, not all the bacteria being killed. And then those are the ones that multiply. Okay. So you're, you're talking specifically about antibiotics right there. And antibiotics. And, and in general, though, I mean, like Judy, I'm sure you're, you know, you sound like you're the model pet parent you know, oh, following thank you. the doctor's instructions. But no, you can get into a lot of trouble discontinuing like a steroid too soon because oh. animals make steroids. There's a negative feedback so that if all of a sudden you, you're giving your pet something and then you stop it abruptly, your pet can't make its own endogenous stuff because it's been shut down. Uh-huh. So, I mean, we go to school, we have two years of pharmacology. Really? Um, That's impressive. Yes, yeah. we do. Yeah. I mean, because think about it. Nine times out of ten, we're prescribing something. We do have a DEA license. Now, do, uh, do you have any patients that abuse their animals, drugs. <laughs> yes. Seriously, because of course. You, you're, you're given a DEA license, which means yes. you're prescribing some drugs that obviously yes. are under enforcement. So, yeah, uh, like, yeah, like, yep, tramadol, Valium. I mean, you can have, oh, abuse all the time. And so we are regulated heavily now. We're prescribing tramadol, and an owner goes, oh, I lost my script or something like that. That has to get reported to the government that we had to second prescribe wow. it. Wow. So they're really um, cracking down on that now, I think, because there has been some abuse in the veterinary community. Well, the, you know, the other thing I hear why people don't give their medications to their animals is it's not an easy thing to do. They say, I am, I'm not going to put my fingers down their throat or in their mouth. Do you have any <laughs> suggestions right. or tips to help them? I mean, and really, I it's have tough. animals, so no, you're right. It's, it's horrible to have to uh, pill an animal that doesn't want to be pilled. Uh, so, no, I think the suggestions I have is, um, there's a couple. One, they have those things called pill pockets. I use those. Have you guys heard of those? Oh, yes, I they're use those. Little, did it, and did yeah, it work good? Oh, yeah. They do. Joe, I had a client yesterday that said, wow, I can't believe my cat just, like, eats those right away. So, yeah, it, they do work. You, you hide the medication in a treat, and the animal takes it. The other thing, too, is psychologically, I think, it's kind of like when people go to brush their pets. See, you you try to you know make it seem like it's a fun thing for them because they're reading your vibe. <laughs> so if you're nervous, you know what I mean. So you can't uh-huh. be nervous about it. It's like, oh my gosh, look, here's a treat. You know, make it positive for them. And also, you know, um, going into pilling an animal, it's really not as hard as it seems. It's just someone has to show you to do it, like with the cat. I always tell people nose to the ceiling, then the jaw automatically drops down, and then you just drop it in there. You see, that's a great and tip. It, Nobody knows that tip, but that's a great tip. Yeah, yeah. But you mind know, my kid. I peeled two cats, yeah. and one of my cats, he, he he thinks it's a game. In fact, he knows yeah. when I go to see? get the pill, he runs because he wants me to go. Oh. 
chase him and he hides and it becomes a big game, that little well, booger. And you play into it. Yes, I do. I go, you chase but him. But see, well, Judy's right. Make it be like it's fun, especially something you're going to have to do like you're doing with the prednisone, right? All the time. Uh-huh. And dogs, you know, I mean, uh, we do get some clients with dogs that, um, you know, they're smart and they know, uh, I'm not taking that. Or they, <laughs> you know, or they so. take it and they spit it out. They eat the treat and they yes, spit it out. They take. Oh, I hate that. Are, My dog is yeah. known for that. My buster. <laughs> He'll, you know, it don't matter how deep in the treat it is, all of a sudden, an hour later, you find it on the floor and, and, and you go, as soon oh, as you leave. take his medicine. So what do you do, Joey? Well, I he, give it to him until he finally eats it, yeah. Yeah, if he, he he ends up getting it. Just remember that you got to give all those medicines. If your doctor recommends yes. that you, you get these yes. medicines, they do it for a reason. And if you want to stop, call your vet and say, is it okay if I stop the medication early? And they'll tell you yes or no. Great advice from Doc Halligan, the Lucy Pet Foundation. Learn more over at lucypetfoundation.org. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 800-472-0658-800-472-0658-800-472-0658. That's 800-472-0658. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. If your pet disappears one day, it's probably totally tragic for you as it would be for me. I know once or twice I've seen my cat disappear and head off into different yards and, and I'd lost track of it. Couldn't find it for days. I thought it was missing and it came back. But that's not always the case. In fact... When you lose your animals, you know, there's a, a protocol you should follow. And we'll go, go through that in just a second. But right now we have Donna Lewis. She is the senior staff member at LostMyKitty.com and LostMyDoggy.com. She's a lost pet recovery specialist. Welcome to the show, Donna. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Thank you for having me. How are you today? Awesome. Tell us first of all about LostMyDoggy and LostMyKitty.com. Uh, well, uh, first we started with Lost My Doggy uh, back in 2008, and then uh, about three years later um, opened the sister site, Lost My Kitty. And uh, what we do is we issue animal alerts. Uh, it's kind of like a, an amber alert for lost pets. Um, what we'll do is we, we'll map out an area where... Uh, a dog, let's say, was last seen, and then we're able to gather all of the, the listed numbers for people who live in that area, and we contact them with a recorded broadcast, um, giving them a description of the pet and uh, the owner's contact number, um, and, of course, uh, the name of our website, and um, they can go and they can take a look, see a picture uh, of the animal, and um, hopefully they'll have some information and uh, be able to co- to contact the owners and let them know where they've seen their dog or their cat or or other animal. Does that include when you say contact? Does that include landlines and cell phones? Yes, it does. Um, we have a uh, proprietary system where we're able to get all of the listed numbers. So what will happen is people who have listed their cell phones, for instance, with uh, public utility companies. 
um, wow. and, or you know anything where where that's the number that's listed like as their uh, their primary contact number, uh-huh. then we're able to get that um, in, with in a national database. We're nationwide, um, and so we can contact both their home number uh, or their cell number. How much does this service cost? Well, we have a free service and a paid service. Well, I'm sure the, the one where you pull uh, different telephones in the area certainly must cost something, right? Yes, that one we, you know, we do have to charge for. Um, and that depends on how many calls someone has us do. So the package starts at 250 calls for 54.95 and we go all the way up to 5000 calls which is 399.95 You know what happens when I get one of those calls, right? Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Me too, Hal. I mean, this is uh, this seems like a great use of the system and is much more important than uh, hearing what my local politician wants to push on me or whatever. But the second I know that there's a recorded individual on the other end and not a live individual, I've been told that my time is not worth it. I will hang up immediately. Although, that being said, I think this is a really good use of that particular system. Well, I think if you start out right away stating we're looking for a dog, then that would get my attention. But if just, hi, I'm, you know, it would... Well, I would so that's what we do. For, for um, one thing, we do start out with very first thing is this is a lost dog alert or oh. this is a lost cat alert. And also the caller ID shows up. Most people have that today. And so uh-huh. the caller ID will show up and say, lost my doggy. So people kind of have some idea, like, what's this about? And uh, sometimes so many people are pet owners, they're actually concerned that it might be somebody calling about their pet who maybe they didn't realize had gotten out. So we fortunately, we have a really great success rate because there are so many animal lovers out there and great. so many animal owners. And so we really don't get a lot of hang-ups, which, frankly, it really is amazing. What else besides the uh, telephone polling do you do to help owners find their animals? Well, we have a number of free services. Um, anyone can sign up. Uh, for the free service, they don't have to buy anything at all. And so we'll do free faxing and emailing of the flyers to uh, a lot of the local vets, shelters, rescue groups, groomers, uh, other animal-related businesses. By the way, that's how we found out about you. Oh, really? Yes, we got oh, one of your alerts. We got an alert. Yes. yes. Uh, by telephone, by fax, by email? By email, email. yeah. Really? But wasn't it... That is wonderful. I'm really happy to hear that. When you lose your animals, and it will happen, it always does. They get out, they get lost. What are some great tips? Uh, One of the first things is to immediately start posting flyers everywhere you can. And we do provide, that's another one of our free services... Uh, It's really important also to go to uh, the shelter. A lot of people, um, they just think, well, if my dog shows up at the shelter, they're microchipped, so they'll be scanned and the shelter will call me. That should happen, but unfortunately it doesn't always happen because not every state mandates that uh, an animal that is taken in be scanned for a chip. And don't they say nowadays, too, that maybe uh, a tattoo is better than a microchip because that tattoo is, is more visible, it's larger, and is immediately known that this dog is identifiable somehow? Uh, that's a great idea. I know that tattoos were done before microchips were invented, so both are good. I wanted um, to do that for my cat, but I didn't know what to get. 
Hal, you're horrible. Where, uh, you know, Lori, where I was going to say that. Where would they be that they're more visible? I think oh. they do the ears. Do they don't do they? the ear? Inside the they ear. Do. Yes, ears and stomach, I've seen. Inside the ear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. The website lostmydoggy.com and lostmykitty, that's K I T T I E.com. We'll put links to those. Actually, it's lost my doggy with an I E and lost my kitty is with a Y. Oh, really? Uh huh. So. Lost my doggy, D-O-G-G-I-E, and lost my kitty, K-I-T-T-Y. Okay, we had them wrong. Well, I hope no one loses their job over there. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it might be Guido the intern, and uh, he's on, walking on thin ice anyway. But uh, we'll put links. We'll check them all out. We'll put links over at AnimalRadio.com of everything you've heard on today's show. Friendly Magazine, along with media sponsor Animal Radio presents the 15th Annual Cross Country Pet Adoption Tour. Get your licks on Route 66, along with advocate sponsors Hands-On Gloves and Embrace Pet Insurance and campground sponsor KOA. The tour travels from L.A. to Chicago for six weeks, stopping at shelters along the way to support adoption events. Community sponsors Tito's Vodka for Dog people and Susie's pet treats also provide prizes attendees can win with their donation to the shelter in the first 14 years the tour has helped to place over 18,000 pets into new forever homes log on to fidofriendly.com to see where the tour stops near you and who knows you might just find your new forever friend Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And we will head back to the phones uh, to talk to Dr. Debbie or to dog father Joey Villani. And this hour, Animal Radio veterinary correspondent Dr. Marty Becker with If You See These Five Things in Your Dog, It's an Emergency. That's what he's put up here on the whiteboard. So I guess he's going to talk about the five things that if you five see them, things. you need to get to the vet really fast. I, I like the stuff like that's always good to know. It is. I'm sure you have your own list, Dr. Debbie. Of <laughs> you know, we do this every time that he's on it. I'm like, yeah, I got already got one or two I'm thinking of. <laughs> Compare lists. Yes. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Well, you know, stuff that that scientists will research. Well, they have done one on the biggest difference between dogs and cats. What meow? I was going to say, aside from meow and woof, we'll tell you about it. Hi, Sean. How are you doing? Great. How about you? Very well. You are on with Dr. Debbie. Yes. Hi, Uh, Sean. Hi. I have a quick question. I live in Minnesota, so it's a colder climate, and I have 10 acres. And it's been, I bought it um, after it was vacant for a couple of years. So we remodeled okay. the house and everything. And the pasture has grown up over the last three years. And I was considering buying some goats. And I was wondering if you could recommend a brand that can handle the cold and that would be good. I, we have like a little brush and grass and all that kind of stuff. And then are they very high maintenance in shots, that kind of stuff? Um, if you could help me out with some information about that. Okay, I'll do my best here. <laughs> well, um, Sean, I'll have to tell you that my majority of my patients are dogs, cats, um, creatures with feathers and scales. Um, but we do occasionally see goats at my office, and most cases of when I see goats is unfortunately when they're attacked by dogs. Okay. 
um, and they also uh, are prone, the males are prone to urinary blockages. So those are kind of the emergency reasons that why I tend to see goats here. Um, but, but goats can be great pets, and a lot of people really love them as pets, as well as, you know, the milk production and, and all the herd management. So, you know, I, I personally haven't had goats, but I know a lot of people who really love them. In okay. fact, at vet school, we had some goats that were really affectionate, and they always came up to the, the pasture fence, um, and we really bonded with them quite a bit. So they were pretty cool. Um, they do have some needs, though, um, and um, a couple things that you'd probably want to keep in mind. Um, they will need some vaccinations, and they do need a really vigorous deworming protocol. Um, do you know if there's been animals on this land that you've already that you purchased? There used to be horses on it. It used to be a horse pasture, um, and it's just really grown up. So I know that, as far as I know, that's the only thing that's ever been on there before. And the horse barn was totally cleaned out. We totally cleaned it out. There's no remnants of really anything left. When they left, they took, like, the floor out, so they had to clean everything. They used to have a rubber floor in there for the horses. So now it's uh-huh. just like dirt, and then half of the barn is concrete and half of it's dirt. So there, I mean, uh, there's really no manure. Manure, is that a good word? <laughs> um, it works, yeah. Um, <laughs> I love it with the Minnesota accent. It even sounds uh, classier. <laughs> it does. It gives oh, okay. it a little bit of a... Okay, excellent. But, uh, yeah, you, you will definitely want to see about getting them vaccinations. Um, and then it, goats primarily are, you know, hay eaters, so we stay away from the grains, and we try to stay to all the nice grassy hays that um, they just uh, will chew on and hopefully chew on that rather than anything within your household or in the immediate environment. But that's the other thing with goats is you got to be ready for that chewing um, behavior, and uh, you want to make sure that, you know, you don't have anything really valuable when it comes to landscaping. Um, You also want to make sure we keep in mind some uh, safe uh, pet plants as well so that they don't ingest a toxic one. So all those things I would definitely research in your area what you have and what is on your property and um, you know then see about getting a you know maybe a starter goat because a lot of people once they get one goat it's very fast and then they'll start getting another and another and they really do kind of grow upon you. Just don't turn your back on them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have some friends that learned that one when they uh, got the old butt from behind. <laughs> are there certain breeds of goats that can tolerate the cold better than others, or are they all pretty much the same? You know, that's something I probably can't tell you. I'll fall back to my small animal roots, and I'll, I'll probably misspeak. So, But I'm sure there are, just because with any species, whether they be sheep, goats, um, cattle, um, there are going to be uh, different breeds, and there are oodles of them out there. So, um, yeah, you might have to check with your uh, regional area uh, to see what breed might be best. How are you doing, Karen? I'm lovely. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from? Uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. Little Rock, Arkansas. You are on with Dr. Debbie. Well, hi, Karen. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Miss Debbie? I'm doing fabulous. What kind of critter questions you got today? Well, I've got a female cat about eight years old, and she's got cerebral palsy. Uh, okay. She's been diagnosed with it, and she's becoming more and more aggressive. She's attacking people and dogs. Mm, okay. Was she diagnosed with this as a very young kitten, or was this later in life? I found her when her mother was walking across the front yard, and 
I opened the screen door to see what it was she had in her mouth, and she was only like a week old, and she just dropped her and ran away. And I noticed then that the the mother had the same thing. She didn't, okay. she didn't shake. She kind of wobbled when she walked. Okay. And, and so she'd done that since she, you got her when she was just that little thing then? Oh, yeah. She was only a week old. Okay. Her ears Has were gotten- still down. <laughs> Oh, and they are so adorable at that age. Yes, they are. She was real affectionate and friendly when she was younger, but as she's grown older, I'm just wondering if that palsy has anything to do with making her aggressive. Yeah, potentially. Now, I wanted to ask you, um, has her has her signs, her difficulties, has that gotten worse with time, or is it about the same from when you first had her? About the same. Okay. All right. Because that's one distinction. And when we talk about things like, well, cerebral palsy is kind of a human disease, but there are some cerebellar diseases in cats. And there's there's one called cerebellar hypoplasia, which kittens can get. And it tends to be from an infection when they're babies, um, from the panleukopenia infection that their mom gets when um, they're just in utero. Um, or they can even be vaccinated during the pregnancy, and the, the kittens will acquire that disease. It's a little bit unusual that the mom had that. Um, so, you know, I guess it can't be impossible that there's something genetic here. But if we're presuming things kind of stayed the same, these type of disorders don't generally get much worse. Um, there are some brain infections that do get worse, and they're kind of more the degenerative type things uh, that go along with time. Now, those conditions, yeah, we could see some worsening of the signs, and you might get some aggression and some behavioral changes, but I would expect all the other things would tend to be getting worse. And I don't know, are you seeing that where her, is she real shaky on her, her feet? Does she fall over, that kind of thing? Oh, she's always done that. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like on a tilt-a-whirl constantly, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. She, she yeah. looks real strange when she walks. She lifts her back feet up to the level of her spine, leans that way, and then puts her foot down. So she's real jerky, and she kind of kicks them out almost like a horse? Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I would tend to think that she may have the cerebellar hypoplasia, which um, that generally won't cause behavioral problems, though. So you might want to get your kitty looked at by your veterinarian. Make sure there's not something else going on, um, because if something else comes up along the way, you know, that might explain her, her grouchiness, whether it be something she's in pain or some other kind of medical problem coming on. Um, so... If, if everything else has stayed about the same, I'm not going to want to blame her condition. Special needs as she may be, uh, you know, I'd say make sure you get her checked over and, and make sure there's nothing else going on that's causing that. Thank you so much for your call, Karen. This is Dr. Debbie on Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Time for another Nutrilife pet tip. Get to know your dog and look out for signs that might indicate that your dog is sick. Your dog should normally have a hearty appetite, but if they suddenly develop a loss of appetite... Or perhaps they have increased vomiting or diarrhea. Or they become very thirsty and they have an increased need to urinate. Or you see that your dog is confused or weak. These are all symptoms of liver disease. So get in tuned with your dog. And make sure you can spot any symptoms of ill health. That was a Nutrilife pet tip.
Hi, it's Alan Cable. Today we're going to talk about one of the most common calls for help we get at Animal Radio, chewing. Puppies and dogs like to chew. It's something that they naturally do. Keeps their teeth and gums healthy, and it's part of who a dog is. You know, what our hands are to us, a dog's mouth is to him. And don't forget puppies' teeth, just like babies do. Dogs also chew because they get bored or they're nervous. Sometimes they're curious. And a lot of the time, what they chew is directly because of what we do. Here's an example. I've got a buddy. His dog chewed up one of his favorite pairs of Nikes. So he gives the sneakers to the dog. He thinks, oh, she's chewed it up anyway. They're no good to me. I'll just let her have them. On the show, we always talk about thinking before you act with your dog. What message is your dog getting? from your behavior. Do you think it's a good idea to let the dog have your sneakers to chew? Well, he did. And here's what happened. His dog continued to chew his sneakers all right, but she also destroyed another six pairs of shoes, coasters, TV remote controls, two cell phones, his toothbrush, and finally, she dismantled a coffee table. <laughs> well, he finally called me up for some help and we broke her of this, but it took a lot of patience and persistence. He had to adjust the way he was behaving around his dog. He had to learn what his behavior meant the message that his dog was getting you see by letting her chew his things he was telling her it's all right to chew up his stuff and that opens up a whole can of worms because when you let a dog chew your stuff up not only are you going to get frustrated with your dog but you're probably going to send more confusing messages she's not going to understand why it's okay to chew stuff one day and why you're mad the next now when you let a dog take your stuff and chew your stuff you're not being a leader not in your dog's eyes anyway and your dog needs you to be a leader she needs structure and boundaries to be happy. She needs to know what's okay and not okay, and the only one who can teach her that is you. Remember, when you have a dog, either you're going to be the leader or your dog is going to assume leadership. And that's when big trouble starts. I'm Alan Cable, and you can get more great tips at AnimalRadio.com. And remember, good dog. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, Animal Radio Veterinary Correspondent Dr. Marty Becker is back. And it says up here on the grease board, you know, he always liked to make it dramatic. (laughs) He put, if you see these five things in your dog, it's an emergency. So I guess he's going to talk about the five things that you should know uh, that if you see them in your dog. It's an emergency. That's on the way with Dr. Marty Becker in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. We're going to head back to the phones. Don't forget, you can ask your questions directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a free download. Uh, Listen to the show, ask your questions, find out the latest recalls in the news that really affect you. Hi, who's this? This is Ariel. What was your name? Ariel. Hi, Ariel. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Very good. Where are you calling from today? Um, Orange County, down in Irvine. You sound like you're in a giddy mood, too. I'm okay with it. I have a funny, funny question of a funny, funny cat. Well, we have a funny, funny vet, and her name's Dr. <laughs> Deb, and she's on with us right now. Okay, well, hey great. there. Hi. What do you got I'm, going on with your kitty? Okay, I have a Siamese cat named Sushi. She's about two years old, and she has a problem with sucking her tail to the point where the tip is discolored, and I don't know what to do or why she's doing it. <laughs> Okay, well, this is a fun call. And how how old is Sushi? I think she's about probably just over two years. Okay, and has she been doing this behavior since you've had her? Yeah, um, pretty much. I adopted her rescue from about seven months ago. Okay. And I didn't Alrighty. really notice it until lately. Alrighty, so you're probably noticing you're like you're laying in bed and you've got a wet 
cold tail slapping on you or something right. like that. Right, and it's turned. It's discolored now. It's turned from brown to red. Yes. Now, does she does she have any other habits where she sucks on like uh, clothing or any other parts of her body or your body? No, just that massage thing with the paws. Okay, so she does a little happy feet thing. Uh, ma- making biscuits, huh? Yeah. Yes. And that's very normal. That's the sign of a happy cat there. Okay, good. So the tail sucking phenomenon, and this is kind of interesting, and when you first said you had a Siamese cat, that just sent up all the red flags because Siamese Uh-oh. cats, are they're very special. Um, yeah, they I are. I love them. I love them to death, but they definitely have some kind of loose neuron going on there. <laughs> and tail sucking is one of those behaviors we see a lot with them. Um, oh. Some people believe that it's somehow a um, something that they lacked when they were nursing and they didn't have enough contact with their mom. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It, it, we can actually see that more with problems when, when they're truly just bored. Um, and they just kind of turn to that as kind of a soothing behavior, and they find some self-satisfaction, and that kind of makes them feel good. Oh, um, God, I'm a bad mom. No. <laughs> but there, are things, there are things that we can do to try to you know, decrease that possibility, and, and it's kind of hard because there's a lot of different factors we can look at, whether it's you know she's bored it, and whether she's doing it for attention because actually some cats will do this to get a rise out of us. Um, you start yelling at them, wagging your hands at them, squirting water, whatever it might be. And it's actually negative reinforcement um, for that behavior. So I, have you tried doing anything so far for this? Well, I guess I need to stop the football kick, huh? <laughs> no. how, far, how far can you no, get them? Actually, no, actually, I just I tickle her tummy is what I do. Because I thought it was you, cute until I noticed it started turning colors. Uh, <laughs> now, do you tickle her tummy when she does this or to... Just to get her to stop doing it. Okay. See, now, and that actually could be seen as a successful attention-seeking behavior because she's getting a response that she likes out of Ah. that behavior. So when she does that, we don't want to give her undue attention. Got it. We actually... We actually want to try to give her other ways, you know, and if she, if we can't eliminate the sucking behavior, it's completely possible. Some cats, we cannot. Um, and some Siamese love to do this. So we want to give her alternatives. Um, so I would encourage you, we'd like to look for things such as, uh, kitty Kong type toys. Uh-huh. You can use types that you can put little treats in, little snackies, make it so that she has to work for her food. We want scheduled playtime for her. Um, things like okay. the cat dancer, the feather toys, Got things it. where we can get her active and doing things. And, um, and if she, yeah, all of that type of thing. And if she starts to do something that's close to sucking on that tail, we want to redirect it into something else. And I actually have some cats that I will use, um, kitty lollipops, I call them. Oh, and <laughs> they're not really lollipops, but you can actually get little rawhide shoes, such as for dogs. Uh-huh. And train her to that and for a lot of cats they still have this oral urge to chew and to lick and you can redirect it to something like um, the rawhide chew yeah i guess that's how i gotta break myself stuck in my thumb (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and definitely we don't want her to be picking up any habits off of you there so yeah um, i started to wonder if i was an influence (laughs) 
<laughs> so much of what we do rubs off on our pets. So well, that you, is so true. You know, I wonder, I hear about this a lot. I hear about Siamese cats and I hear that they could have obsessive compulsive disorder. It's really possible for cats to have OCD. Is that true? Oh, it, absolutely. And, and this is one of the instances where we can see that, where it's kind of a repetitive behavior, but they get some pleasure from it. So, you know, there are some cats that I will pursue along this avenue and we'll actually go into behavior modifications and medicine if necessary. So if some of these things we just talked about don't help, then we might try something like the Kitty Prozac, uh, clomipramine, amitriptyline. There are some medicines that we can turn to, but we realize with the Siamese, we've got some kind of genetic uh, barriers there, and we may not ever get rid of the behavior. We might be best to redirect it, control right. it somewhere. Well, it's we- in our family. Yeah. We all have OCD. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's good. And, and Siamese are so much fun. They're entertaining cats, but they do kind of come with their own little behavior peculiarities. So yeah, they're um, adorable. I, you just have a quirky cat, there, Ariel. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> with a name like Sushi, maybe it's a punishment. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. 800-689-0143. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Well, it appears that your cat most likely, now don't be offended by this, but it appears your cat most likely does not miss you when you're gone, according to a new study which shows that Domestic cats, you know, our house cats and stuff, pet cats, do not generally see their owner as a focus of safety and security in the same way that dogs see us. The study observed the relationships between a number of cats and their owners. So they had these varying scenarios going on, and they assessed three different characters of attachment, those being the amount of contact sought out by the cat, the level of passive behavior that the cat exhibited, and also signs of distress caused by the absence of the cat's owner. Well, the results showed that while cats might prefer at times to interact with their owner, they do not rely on their owner for reassurance when they're in an unfamiliar environment. Researchers believe this is because the nature of felines as an independent and solitary hunter just kind of carries on over into the rest of their lives. 
And the most popular dog names list it doesn't generally change much from year to year. We love to do these lists because you love to hear them, and they're fun. But here's something different, and you'll probably notice the different names that are on this, the trendiest names for dogs list. So we're going to start with the trendiest male dog names. Starting at number 10 is Marley. We're going up the list. Number 9 is Ruger, and then Brody, Gunner, Leo, Number five on the list for male dogs is King, and then Loki, Dexter, Thor, and Jax. J-A-X is the number one trendiest name for a male dog. Now, trendiest names for girl dogs, starting at number 10, is Hazel, followed by Callie, then Charlie, Charlie for a girl, C-H-R-L-I-E, and then Marley. Number six is Athena, going up the list to Nala. Willow comes in at number four, then Luna. Elsa is in second place with Piper being the trendiest female dog name now. I'm Lori Brooks. Get breaking animal news anytime you need it at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is Elaine Hendricks on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. Lori just gave out the list of the latest, what do you call those? Trendiest names. names. And Piper topped that list there. What a great name. I like that. Piper. That's What were some of the other names on the list? Um, the the number one trendiest name for girl dogs was Piper, and for male dogs, it's Jax, J-A-X. Spelled differently. Oh, there Very you go. Cute. So if you're sick and tired of the Maxes and the Bellas, you can think <laughs> out of the box a little bit. It is uh, time to, to hook up here with Dr. Marty Becker, Animal Radio Veterinary Correspondent Extraordinaire. Hey, you know what's funny, my friends? I was at the dollar store. In Sandpoint, Idaho, yesterday, getting some Neckos. So I love Neckos. Neko, what are what Neckos? is a Neko? Yeah. Neko wafers. Are, are Neko wafers, exactly. Those, that's those little... Uh, Neko actually stands for New England Confectionery Company. And they're the same ones that make most of the Valentine hearts. And they have those little flat wafers that are... You know, they come in different flavors. Like, there's the chocolate ones everybody likes and... Oh, I'm going to check them out now. Well, it's one of those old-fashioned. It's one of those old-fashioned things I had as a kid. But I go through these phases where I like certain things. I like good and plenties, and I like hot tamales. But I'm, <laughs> I've been on this. I've been on this Neko kick, and so my wife loves chocolate. And now they have like you know Snickers and Reese's uh, peanut butter cups and Milky Ways. Everything's in these little individual packages, so they're little bite-sized pieces. So you don't think you're eating that much, you know. So there was there was a person at the counter and somebody behind me that was talking about chocolate and they're saying oh gosh dr becker you shouldn't be getting chocolate and for your dogs they both knew i was a veterinarian in town and i said you know it takes three ounces of chocolate per 10 pounds of body weight to cause a problem and so when i'm talking about the five things that you want to go oh my gosh we gotta we gotta call the vet or we gotta run to the vet there's so many things that people freak out about like oh my god the dog ate two pieces of chocolate it's not going to cause any problem. Oh, okay. uh, you know, Baker, Baker's chocolate's a whole nother thing and stuff. But just remember that three ounces is what's in a candy bar of milk chocolate per 10 pounds of body weight. So if I took 
you know, one of my two dogs here, these three dogs are all about 20 pounds. They'd have to eat two candy bars. And you are in no way advocating chocolate, though, in any No, no, no. Don't give it as a treat. Yes. But if you're, let's say, let's say you're in the Godiva box. You yep. know, you got the Christmas box, or they got something for Valentine's Day, and a piece drops down, uh, or you've got one of those bite-sized things and the dog eats it, it's not going to be a problem. Okay. Let's, let's talk about the things that, that we go, oh, my gosh. You okay. know, like you get the call and you go, bring them right in. And I think the first one starts out with bleeding. Okay. Espe- especially if they're bleeding from uh, an orifice. If they're bleeding from their nose, they're bleeding from their mouth, they're bleeding from their rectum. That's not, let's see how it does over the weekend. That's time to get in there because it can be everything from a dog that's eaten a rodenticide, you know, like decon and is bleeding that way. It can be, uh, you know, the sign of something that has ruptured, a fracture, anything like that. Uh, A two would be vomiting that doesn't stop. And it's almost like I'm making this stuff up, but I'm not. I had a a friend of ours call yesterday and their dog, they went to Petco, got a new toy. The dog went home and ate the leg off of it on uh, Saturday. And now it's vomiting on Sunday. So you go through the thing. Is it persistent vomiting? No, just vomited once. Is it straining to go to the bathroom uh, and not going? No, it had one bowel movement. hasn't been straining to go to the bathroom. You know, is it getting really weak or, you know, really depressed? No. So it's probably going to pass. But let's take that dog that's vomited and it vomits again and it vomits again. It's vo- trying to vomit every, you know, 30 minutes and it's dry heaving and nothing comes up. That's you need to head in. Okay. So one vomit is not bad? I hardly ever worry about that. Okay. Uh, un- unless, unless it, and we're coming up in the other stuff. If the dog is extreme or cat is extremely depressed or they collapse, and you see dogs that will do that, and cats will do that, then that's an emergency. But just that one-time vomiting is really not much to worry about. Dogs, dogs eat lots of crazy stuff, and they also vomit the crazy stuff. Any dog that collapses, that can be from heat stroke, that can be from an allergic reaction to uh, you know, an insect bite, it can be from you know, a you know, seizure kind of thing, you want to go in. Um, and anytime a dog has an allergic reaction to a medication, to a vaccination, to a bee sting, where you start to see swelling of the face or the body, that's head to the vet time. And I think the, the last one would be loss of consciousness. You'll see a pet that um, sometimes gets injured. You know, might have been hit by something, a, a head injury. You need to head to the vet. So bleeding, persistent vomiting, if they collapse, a loss of consciousness, or any kind of allergic reaction, these are all signs that you need to get to the vet immediately. Yeah, use your best, best your, you know, your doctor mom. Most of them, it's the moms. Your doctor mom, you know what to do if you was a child. <laughs> do the same thing for a pet. Well, most of them are moms. That's not true. I, I <laughs> failed. Them. Dr. Debbie, does your list, is your list uh, pretty much it's, it's, in sync? It's pretty close. Yeah, I got to say, um, for me, I'm like about lifting the lip, and if I ever have people notice white or pale gums at home. I don't care what their symptoms are. White gums are not normal. Is that why you guys Um, lift the lips? Is is to check the colors of the gum? Yeah, part of it is, you know, dental disease as well, but that's a big thing. And then the bloat. Big dogs that bloat up in the abdomen, try to vomit, but nothing can come up. Um, That's definitely always an emergency for me. Or dogs that are, you know, suddenly weak in the back end, dragging their legs. That's a a prompt one for me as well. So uh, those were, yeah, I think we had a lot of crossovers on that. Well, there you go. There you go. East meets west, and they agree there. (laughs) Dr. Marty Becker, thanks so much for hanging with us today. Well, hey, blessings to everybody out there that loves animals. And, you know, it's uh, I I just thank God every day that we get to have these other species in our house, you know. Aren't they (laughs) awesome? Yes. 
We'll talk to you again very soon. And we're going to head back to the phones for your calls. Vinny Penn coming at you on Animal Radio with the Party Animal segment. Uh, Cracked open my daughter's piggy bank the other day, at her urging, of course. The economy has not gotten the best of me, although it's pretty damn close. Cracked it open because it was time for her to, she filled it all the way up over these years. She's six years old and she was ready to spend the loot in it. Got me to thinking, why a pig? Who's the person who came up with that years ago? Like, we're going to store all this money. Let's store it in a pig. I don't really understand that. Why are we filling up? Does anybody know the legend behind why it's a piggy bank and why we're sticking the, the coins in its back? Do you know what it was like that morning having bacon and eggs with my daughter and explaining to her uh, because she asked me, you, you know, why a pig? She's the one who actually instigated this party. I'm sitting there munching on bacon like, I wonder if she even knows what we're eating right now. I guess there was once nickels and pennies rolling around inside of, I don't know why it's a pig. What else should it be? I don't think an animal. Why don't they just have little banks for children, little plastic banks that you put your money in, and it says bank. And and there's blue ones for boys and pink ones for girls. Why an animal? Why a pig? Email me. I kind of really want to know. Vinny Penn, Party Animal on Animal Radio. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a Continuous Glucose Monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. This is Animal Radio. Well, hi, Mark. How you doing? Good. How are you today? Very good. Where are you calling from? Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk, Virginia. You're on with Dr. Debbie. Hi. Well, hi there. Hello. I, I just have a question. Um, my wife and I, we have uh, two toy Pomeranians, and we we just, we just switched around their diet probably about a month ago. We went to Nature's Variety, which I guess like the Instinct, which is, has more of a, uh, of a uh, protein-based uh, meal. At any rate, um, we're also doing uh, raw food, you know, just a little bit like three ta- three of the little uh, tablet things a day. But the big question is, I, uh, I'm, a, uh, I'm a hunter, a deer hunt, and this uh, fall I'm going to go out and uh, do some deer hunting. And if I do uh, bring down a deer, you know, my wife is anti-hunting and I'm not, but, you know, I told her I was thinking, you know, I was going to bring the deer back the deer meat back and that I was thinking about since we have the dogs on the raw meal or the raw meat, whether mm-hmm. or not uh, we could uh, give the dogs some of that venison, 
in the pure form in the meat because it looks like this uh, the food that we have here is kind of like almost been a little bit dehydrated. It, it, uh, it thaws real quick. But I was thinking we could go with some venison meat. And my wife expressed concern about that, worried about whatever possible diseases might be in the meat or whatever. And I'm just calling to see what uh, your opinion is on that. Yeah. And, oh, gosh, my opinion on raw food diets, I'm not a fan of them. I know that the the argument for raw food diets is that that's what dogs eat in the wild and that's what they were kind of built, made for um, nutritionally. But um, in the pet setting and in a household setting, um, I, I think that it is a lot of stress and a lot of effort that is placed on the individual pet owner to become a nutritionist. And um, I, I really don't advocate it. Not that the venison could not be fed because there are a lot of venison-based dog food diets out there. But but my concern is that kind of twofold. Is One is that we're introducing raw meats into the home situation, which puts not only them at risk for foodborne illness, um, but even yourselves, because anytime that kind of raw diet is fed, you have the potential for um, bacterial-related diseases um, being passed in the household. Um, the, the other thing that I have a problem with is that, um, you know, these are little dogs we're talking about. And in most small dogs, um, you know, a 10-pound dog only needs 200, maybe 300 calories a day. So when we start adding all these other things into their food, um, it might be a useful, you know, use of those um, meat sources. So they're not going to waste. But, um, you know, there's calorie needs for these little guys. They only need a small amount of food. And um, I just don't see the need to kind of add in things there. But I know a lot of veterinarians out there may share a different opinion. Um, I, I just, I don't embrace that raw food diet. I'd like to uh, go with sound uh, veterinary nutrition that, um, you know, we know. Well, has, uh, yeah, yeah, what we do is we, uh, in the morning when I get up, um, I get up early, so I just take out, like I said, we just do three of those little little meat uh, tablets or, or, I guess, or medallions, I guess, for each one of them, for both of them, you know, three and three. And then if we, they, they basically will go back in the cage till I get home or my wife uh, gets home from work, which is usually about five or six in the afternoon. And then we have out the, uh, the regular, uh, you know, little regular dog food that you, that you see, but it's that nature's variety, which is more the higher protein. And then they'll they'll snack off of that as much as they will, but raw the the raw food the raw meat portion of it seems like it lasts them quite a while. Um, we have the cat our cats on the same thing, and you know one of the things I noticed right away with the cats is that the litter box is, it doesn't smell anymore. You know it uh, they they aren't defecating as much. I mean they still urinate as much as they used to because they're still drinking water, but they don't defecate as much because it is higher protein. And uh, I don't know it's just. I've noticed some pleasantries, like the dog, dogs, when they defecate, it just, it's not as, I don't know how to put it, you know, it just doesn't seem as sloppy as it did before. I don't know if that's the proper way to look at it, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, and there, I know there are definitely benefits that, that many folks have, have reported. Um, but as far as, I guess, I just fall upon the consistency and in prepared diets and, and knowing that you have a, you know, a, nutritionist kind of behind that and for folks and there are definitely especially with this pet food recall um, in years past there are good resources to help people design if they want to do home cooked diets
diets. And, and that is something that, you know, if I have someone who's really sincerely wants to go that route, you know, I, I respect that decision. I don't agree with it, <laughs> but I would want to make sure that we're kind of being educated about it and using some tools. Um, right. And there is actually a very good veterinary resource, which is out to the, the public. Um, there's a book by a, a Dr. Strombach, and that's about homemade diets. So I'd want to have some resource such as that. Or there's websites that can help with a veterinary nutritionist that kind of helps give you guidelines on things. Because, you know, there's about, you know, four to nine different types of supplements if we're calling um, a home food diet a home food diet that you might have to actually add into a pet's food, whether that's a raw diet or, you know, just something you're cooking up at home. So um, I would Definitely, well, we if you're definitely. kind of going that route, be cautious and, and, and look for good resources to help you along that way. Um, but I'm going to tell you, ugh, I'd stay away from the raw diets. <laughs> Husband and dogs all running around the place. <laughs> well, then I just think it makes good sense for all of us to pack on up, go on outside, take our dogs, our cats, our iguanas, our husbands. Fair- Let's take them for a walk right now. They need a walk. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. I want to thank Dr. Marty Becker, Donna Lewis, and Doc Halligan all for joining us. Remember, you can get your fix all week long at AnimalRadio.com and download the Animal Radio app now if you haven't done it. Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend, specifically written for Yorkshire Terriers, Shih Tzus, Pugs, and Mini Schnauzers. They're available over at Amazon as Kindle books, and we have links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. We'll see you next week for more Animal Radio. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. This is Animal Radio Network.